Through the lens of loving local and seeing global, we obsessively search for people whose stories need to be told and how OKC played a supporting role. Hosted by Katherine Bexton and Emmy Cobes, welcome to Action City. Emmy! Hey, Catherine. We're here to do our pit and our peak. I'm so excited. It's the second week of January. Are we the second week of January? And January has been crazy already. I mean, I think, yeah. Last week we thought it was going to be just a continuation of 2020, and so far it is. Yep. I mean, which is to be expected. You can't just change for the better overnight, right? I don't know. No, you can't. We just can be working towards that. But yes, here we are, second week of January. And I'm trying to have my pit and my peak be much more personal than global. So I know. I feel like we could all have the same pit, but yeah, let's hear it. What is, what's your, what's your pit? What's your peak? Well, my peak. Okay. So my peak would have started from a pit. And that my peak was that my 14-year-old was grounded from her telephone all week. At 6 p.m. last Sunday, she had to give up her telephone. And I said to Jim, I said, 36 hours. 36 hours, she will be a completely different kid. She will be our little girl. She'll She'll be engaged. She'll be laughing. She'll be hanging out with us. Sure enough, by Monday night, She was downstairs helping me cook dinner. She's on a kick of watching Grey's Anatomy from the beginning. And by the way, Grey's Anatomy from the beginning, I've forgotten how amazing it was. Now I'm watching Grey's Anatomy from the beginning with her. But she's with us. She's present. I mean, she's still driving us crazy, but she's happier. She's smiling. She's animated. Not everything puts her over the edge. I mean, we just had the nicest week with her. I can't, I can't even tell you. I mean, I, and I, the whole, like when we got towards the end of the week, so this weekend we, we all stayed home uh, and we, we played Mahjong Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, last night. By the way, I win the most at Mahjong. <laughs> Jim loses the most. Neely had not played Mahjong till this weekend. She, we couldn't convince her at Thanksgiving or at Christmas to play. She played with us. She was sort of mad at first, but now she's totally into Mahjong. We just, we loved it. And so the countdown, the like 48 hour countdown to giving her phone back, I looked at Jim and I was like, should we plant some white claws in her room? What should we do? Should we get her in trouble? Should we get her in trouble so we can take her phone away again? And I mean, really, I, and guess what? She got her phone back. 15 last night she got 15 minutes added on to it and at 6 15 she came running down let me have my phone let me have my phone and quite frankly like you can see a change instantaneously i mean yeah. I, I don't understand it it's it's really kind of sad so that's my my pit now is that she's back on her telephone and back to you know acting like a sassy teenager but it does kind of gave us some perspective we were thinking is it do we do two hours a night where there's no technology at all and everybody's down and helping and hanging out even if they're just like watching tv sitting next to us it's so much better than them having their faces buried in their phone you know gracie is 12 and she doesn't have a phone yet she doesn't get a phone until she's out of seventh grade going into eighth grade i mean the poor girl she's written a five-page essay as to why she should get a telephone 
she's, I mean, she is dying that she doesn't have a phone, but it just gave me more resolve to stay strong and to not let her have a phone for as long as possible. I don't know how you parents do it. I mean, I feel like that would be Uh, so tough because when I was growing up, our phones, all they did was like text and call, but text cost like 10 cents a piece or, I mean, it was so expensive to text. We had like snake. Like if you were lucky, your phone had snake and then maybe saw like snake, like the little, like the line that would eat the little dots. You'd, oh, the game. Yes, yeah. Yes, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Or like my phone, I think had solitaire. I'm trying to remember, but you know what I mean? Like there wasn't much to do on your phone. Like our phones didn't have internet till college. And so we really like grew up still. I mean, we did have cell phones to call one another, but like, I still know my friend's landline numbers from growing up. You oh, know me what too. I mean? Yeah, I do too. Yeah. And so I don't know how you parents do it with these phones. Like, I just hope by the time my kids are old enough to have phones that something will have been figured out. Um, I so hope so for your sake. It's really, it's scary. It's sad to watch. And I mean, Gracie and her friend Kate are the final two people in her grade to not have phones. Part of Gracie's five page essay was a list of every single person in her grade who has a telephone. There were only three of them who did not. Since she made the list, one of the three has gotten them. So it's Kate and Gracie. They're the last ones. That's why I also admire you and Karen so much. Thank God they have a friend. I mean, it's, I will say if Gracie was the only one, it would be much harder, but I've just watched the difference in kneeling when she has it, when she doesn't have it. And I'm just not, I'm not going to give up those like final three months with Gracie. I'm just not doing it. Yeah. I don't think you, I think stay strong. I'm going to stay strong. Emmy. Yeah. I I get berated all day long. Even Jim berates me, but I think he's, you know, I think you should buy yourself for staying strong. I think you should buy yourself like a handbag. idea i'm gonna start picking one out right now yeah i think you should i think you should get something really nice (laughs) really nice because this has not been easy yeah it has not not been easy okay tell me about your week what happened so i actually had a really great week um i'll start with my pit just because i'm I'm that person who likes to end on a high (laughs) but my pit was that january 9th is the anniversary of like my best friend's growing her mom she passed away that day Um, and it's just, it's a, such a hard day because it was, so my group of core group of girlfriends are like six of us and Claire's mom, Marsha, I don't know if you ever knew Marsha Thetford, but she had breast cancer three times and then she passed away when we were sophomores in college and she was just like the most special person in the world. And just every day that year, it was kind of a weird day because I woke up and I knew it was her day, but then I saw a cardinal, which that is like a huge Christian symbol for like people who have passed. Um, and so that just gave me chills. And then, um, my, she made me this blanket for college. She made all of our friends this like little white blanket and had a monogram for us. Oh man. (sighs) Um, and I, I look over and my, like, I always let my kids when we watch TV, he like goes and picks a blanket and he picked hers that day. Like it's folded up with all the other ones. And he usually picks this orange one and it was like the one he picked. And I just little things like that kind of happened all day long where I was like reminded of her. And I feel like her, 
her death is like so sad because I think as we get older, I realize that this could happen to one of my friends because she was like my mom's really good friend. You know what I mean? And it's like, as we have kids, I'm realizing like one, this could happen. Um, And it will. Yeah. And I'm just, I don't know. It's a hard, it's that's the hardest part about getting older, right? It's like, you know, realizing stuff like that can happen to you or somebody you love. So it was just, I, you know, talked to my friend Claire that day and told her I was thinking about her. And I reminisced actually with her sister, Kim too. And just, it just, I don't know. She was just the most special person. She like all the other moms drove a suburban and she drove a Jag and she had like a rose garden. (laughs) And I remember we like watched princess Di's funeral with her. And she was explaining to us why Diana was such an icon. Like she was just the coolest person. So, um, and she cooked and, her whole house like was filled with French antiques and like it, she was just so chic. Um, and I think I got like a lot of my love for fashion from her and it's just like everything about her was just so wonderful. And um, she was just amazing. So it was kind of, it was nice to remember her because I feel like I probably don't think about her enough, but it was also hard just to kind of think about her that day. And I know it's special for like all of my girlfriends just because we're so we're all so tight that, um, you know, we just miss her. But I think my peak, though, was that Friday was like one of the best days ever. I just had. What? Yeah, it was just. Okay. So, okay, why? I don't know. It was just such a great day. I just it was like a very indulgent day, um, not like food wise, but just like personally. So I like I did Casey. I would drop my kids off at school I went to Casey's bar class at Evolve, which I love that class because it's like very like, you know, it goes so quick. Um, and then I went and got a massage at Fit Spa. And from uh, what's her, Elizabeth. From Elizabeth? Yeah. Oh, I hear Elizabeth. So good. Fabulous. I need to make an appointment. Oh, she was so great. And then so when I was waiting for my massage, I was like, do you guys have any other like treatments like that I could do after? And they're like, oh, yeah, the infrared sauna is open. So I did that after my massage. I could have stayed in there for hours. It was so great, which I know is dangerous. You're only supposed to be in there for like 45 minutes, but it was Did wonderful. Did you notice a difference when after doing the infrared? Oh, yeah. Like, inflammation was so much better. I slept like a baby. Um, I felt like my skin looked better. It, it was great. Oh. So I did that. Went home, showered, ate lunch, and then I went to Salt and Water and played with makeup with Chelsea for like an hour, which was amazing and then i went to urban tea house and i just was going to get my favorite tea ever which is their sweet almond and the woman i don't know why i've never known this she's like you know you can buy this by the ounce and take it home and brew it and i'm like no i had no idea so i bought like you know four ounces of my favorite tea and she's like oh yeah this will make 20 teas and she goes and actually we ship for free so whenever you want more we can just like ship it to your house where is the Urban Tea House now? It's it on Twenty Third. No, that I think that oh, was. I like, know next to the bagel store. Yes, on the back side of like where the on Drake the back is. Side. Yes, I never go over there. But oh, that's it's such a good so idea. good. Have you? You their, love tea, though. I do love tea. Have you had their sweet almond tea? No. So it's not sweetened. Like there's no sugar in it. There's no honey. No maple. But um, it's almonds and like fruits. So and it's oh. like this tea blend. Catherine, the smell of it is divine. It's so good. So that I have was to come over. You have to make me a cup with your with your four ounces that you're 
Oh, by hiding under lock and key. No, it's so good. I'm so excited to know I can buy it. But um, so yeah, and then I picked my kids up from school. They were wonderful. And then Jeff and I actually got to have a date night, which like never happens. So where'd you go on your date night? So we went to Sushi Neko. I'm having trouble calling it Neko because apparently that's what it is, not Nico. Wait a minute. At this late date, they're trying to get everyone to change it to Neko. So Jeff called to make the reservation and on their voicemail, they said like, you know, thank you for calling Sushi Neko. And I was like, it's not Neko. It's been Nico for like, I mean, how long that place has been open since I was like, what, 10 or? Oh, my God. I don't even like, know. Probably oh, years? 20 years. Yeah. Wait a minute. Did they say it's Neko, not Nico? Like, did they were they specific? Like they're trying to change it or no? That's just no, the way it's just it is. like, that's just what it is. Uh, it's like when I have to say Neely Lotan. Well, that's sounds very- Sushi Neko sounds sushi. totally wrong. But it, it is. Does. It's right. So anyway, we had a great day. I don't know. It was just one of those days where everything was just like, you know, when you're just in a good mood and things are kind of falling yeah. into place. I didn't feel like ru- I mean, obviously, those are not major responsibilities to like get a massage, go to a sauna, go shopping, you know, like none of that was like. But we all need those days. Yes. That are and- all about us and that where we're. We're making the choices to do things that make us happy. I think if I could do one a month, I would be like happy as a clam. Like one a week would be too indulgent. Without me, oh, it was so fun. She like she showed me all this Uh, new stuff. I had a whole list of things I needed. Oh well, I'll go again. I'll go again. Okay, we'll go again. I need to go down there. Yeah. So that was my week. So speaking of things that we can do for ourselves, okay, Um, you know Andrea Ridley, our very first guest on Action City. She has a company called Abanaya, and they do wellness retreats around the world. Well, obviously, we're in the middle of a pandemic, and we can't do quite as many wellness retreats where you're actually going to go in person. So what she's decided to do is to do a virtual retreat. Wait, really? Yeah. So Friday, she was in the shop yesterday or the day before, was telling me about it. Not yesterday. Yesterday was Sunday. On Friday. She was here on Friday. She's going to do a virtual retreat on Friday, the 22nd of January. And there are going to be little mini sessions that you can join. I think it's going to be from like, it's going to be from 3.30 to like 7.30 at night or something. And you can join virtually little mini sessions of people doing things. She's going to have somebody doing a group reading. She's going to have, she's asked me to do something from Greta. I was thinking about maybe doing the perfect fitting pair of jeans or uh, I think she's going to have somebody do a little cooking class. Wait, or fun. So you can pick and choose the things that you want to join Friday the 22nd. So if we're looking for things to do for ourselves that will make us feel at peace and feel joy, I think this could be one of the things. So uh, you probably could go to Abanaya to their it's, Instagram. Yeah, it's How do we spell it? A-B-H-I-N-A-Y-A. Abanaya. So go to their Instagram. I know that, and we'll try to post something on our Instagram too. But yeah, I'll repost it. Wait, that's exciting. That. That's something to look forward to too. I mean, I feel like that's yeah. kind of the name of the game right now is just like give me something to look forward to. That would right. be good on the tail end of my self care day if I have another one. Exactly. You could have just finished off the day with that. And yes. then maybe rolled into the date night at Sushi Neko. Neko. <laughs> Yeah, no, for sure. Well, that's exciting. Well, it's always fun to like support, you know, our friends who are doing exciting things. Um, and also, so our guest today um, is Mike Hearn, and he's the host of the podcast. This is Oklahoma. 
he had us on his podcast a couple of weeks ago and it just was so fun to meet somebody who's doing this similar thing, but we're supporting each other and kind of celebrating his podcast and ours. But, um, he actually came to Oklahoma from Wales, um, having never even been to Oklahoma or even the U S um, he discovered that life here is pretty great. So he's stayed, um, he's planted his roots here and has started, I think one of the best local podcasts. Um, so please welcome my current action city. Emmy, I know in the show, we talk a lot about all the places we love to go in Oklahoma city, all the shops, all the restaurants, the parks, one of the things that you have to have in order for those places to be able to operate their businesses is it's all commercial real estate. It's, it's buildings and standalone locations that are owned by landlords that need to get those place, places rented out. May, mind you, some people may own their own buildings, but some people need to buy and sell those buildings. Some people need to rent them. But how do you figure out what the best location is for you? When I bought Greta Sloan, all these people kept telling me I needed to move and I needed to get a different space. But there was something I really loved about Nicholas Hills Plaza. So what I did when I bought Greta was I sort of listened to those people in that I thought I should look around and see what other spaces are available in the market. And so I called my friend Barry Murphy, whom I've known since college. He married my very best friend from growing up. And so I've known him since I was 18 years old. So he was the first person that I called. He's in the commercial real estate business in Oklahoma City. He has been doing this, oh God, at least 15 years. He's an expert. He does office. He does retail. He does industrial. I called Barry. Barry took me to all the spots where I could possibly take Greta. And guess what he helped me figure out? He helped me figure out that Nicholas's Plaza was the best place for it. And I kept it there. So he didn't feel like he needed to put me into a building just to put me into a building. He really helped me answer the hard question of my business of where was the best location. And then from there, my husband is a lawyer and he has his own law practice and he likes to move around a lot as well. And so, of course, he calls Barry to help him with his office needs. And re the most recent building that he's in, my husband is now in this building called the Barry Law Building, or the I think that's called the Barry Law Building, actually, down on at like 19th and Classen. And Barry Murphy helped him find that building as well. He helped him negotiate the contract. And he, my husband ha loves this building. It's perfect for him. It's historical. He feels like right at home there. And so I just, I can't say enough great things about Barry Murphy. He works for Cushman Wakefield. I think if anybody's looking for somebody to help them with their commercial real estate needs, I think you should definitely reach out to Barry. His phone number, you can reach him on his cell, 405-297-9913. Or you can reach him on his website, www.barrymurphy.net. So I highly recommend him. So Barry, thanks so much for sponsoring our podcast. We love you. So welcome, Mike Hearn. We have him here. Well, he's in the studio with me. Catherine is via Zoom because of a possible exposure. Hopefully she's okay. Hi from Zoom. <laughs> this is very, very, feels very 2020. It does feel 2020. Yeah, I feel like this is like Joe Rogan level of uh, you guys are doing it. You guys are doing it well. This is good. I'm impressed. You like the studio? Oh, I'm impressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Mike had us on his podcast. This is Oklahoma. What, two? It was mm -hmm. before Christmas. Um, And he... 
he's much more advanced than us in the fact that he brings his equipment, whereas we hired Richard and have this studio. <laughs> and um, so you're impressed. I'm impressed. Yeah, but we're I'm impressed hard. that you can do it yourself. Well, I mean, it's, yeah. Oh, we're so really impressed. It we're is. kind of spoiled, I mean, I feel really... I feel kind of spoiled. I think that one of the things Catherine and I, yeah, we have that in common in that like we like to make things easy on ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) So this was the easiest way in our minds. Yes, to make this happen. I know. Well, and I was getting, when you recorded us, I was kind of getting upset with Catherine because she was already interviewing you. And I was like, please stop interviewing him because we actually have to have him on the podcast and ask him these questions again. Um, So usually kind of how we start is like at the very beginning. So you were born in Wales. Born in Wales. Yeah. A little town called Bridgend, South Wales, um, which Wales is in the UK. So my town (laughs) is like three hours west of London in the car. So drive. So that gives people a bit of context. Actually, the UK is not very big. Um, but yeah, so I grew up in Wales. Um, I have a younger brother who's five years younger than me, uh, mum and dad back home. And yeah, I grew up in Wales and just got into golf from a very young age. So golf is what brought me to the States. Uh, had a golf scholarship to Southern Nazarene University. So I came out here uh, August of 2011. And so me wait, wait, what was it like growing up in Wales? Yeah, skip over yeah we that. can't <laughs> exactly. That's what I, mean, I was going to say. We know what it's like to grow up in Oklahoma City. We don't have any, like, we want to know. What's the... I mean, it rains a lot. it's the same? I mean, no, it's not, definitely not the same. Uh, like, when I... I remember walking through, a friend took me to like their high school reunion when I was in college. I remember walking through a high school and being like, whoa, this is like movies level of thing. We don't, high schools are totally different. My high school back home probably looks like Hogwarts to you guys because it's over a hundred years old. The walls are like three feet thick. Um, you know, but super grim, gray most of the time. Winter is miserable. Uh, but the summers are, summers are cool and, it's the, one of the greenest countries in the world because it rains all the time. So in the winter here, the grass dies, whereas back home, the grass gets a lot greener because it rains so much. Oh, pretty. So it's really green. It's kind of weird because the grass is green and the trees don't have any leaves. So it looks kind of a bit odd. But yeah, so super green. Um, rugby's Wales is national sport. I played that for a little bit until I came home one day and told my nan that I'm going to stick to golf because rugby's too too rough and I got hurt. I was 10. Um, That's so pretty that smart. To golf. Yeah. My so, only like smart. concept of rugby is like the Friends episode where Ross plays. Yeah. So I don't really, I've never been to a rugby match. Is it a match? Yeah, it's a match, yeah. Okay. That's not, I mean, it's, it okay, looks pretty played, brutal. I played rugby in business school. for. We had a women's rugby club. Oh, my gosh. I lasted, I think, for like three practices, and I felt exactly the same way, Mike. It was yeah. a little rough for me. It's <laughs> like football without pads, basically, is the like essential difference. I just it, don't so. like to be touched that much. Like, mm-hmm. I remember when I played basketball, that's like my was my least favorite thing, is like when somebody was guarding you, I was like, can you just take... <laughs> It's like that scene from Along Came Polly where he's gotten that guy who's covered in sweat. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. Well, in rugby, it's like even more so you like yeah. get in that huddle and like, oh, gosh, yeah. not my that would not be. So what was high school like for you? Um, I was kind of like I never really excelled that much in school, but I never like failed. So I was just like the CB student, always kind of just did enough to get by. Were you social? Uh, yeah, pretty social, but. Only I was social because I played golf growing up, so I knew how to like converse with people. But I mean, I still I wasn't like the cool kid in high school because I played golf. Right, everyone was like thought I was old fashioned or whatever. Okay, so golf was not cool in high school in Wales. Was golf cool in Oklahoma City in high school? I can't, I think it kind of was. 
Do you think? I, I mean, what do you think? I don't know. I, I don't know my know. wife told me she played golf once, and that was because it let her get out of class at high school. I don't think, like, I mean, our high school was a little bit different, though, because mm-hmm. it was so small. I feel like the people who played golf, like, it was just because the spring sports weren't their favorite, or that was their favorite spring sport. Like, I don't, golf didn't correlate with coolness, necessarily, but there are cool people who play golf. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's totally different <laughs> now, too. Like, I think if I... Growing up playing golf now, like every, it's on TV more. Yeah, and, like, I grew up when like yeah. Tiger was just starting kicking off. So I was born in 1990, and he was like late 90s to now. I mean, at his peak, so Tiger was like my hero growing up. Was he? Yeah, I think he, he was a lot situation. of people's heroes. Yeah, which is like kind of crazy. It's. I mean, it's uh, you guys, like, I watched yeah. that documentary, the first half of that documentary last night. Have you? Did you guys watch it? No, it. was it good? It was good. It was a, I was actually going to ask you about that, Mike. It was from the perspective of people who really knew him intimately from childhood. Mm-hmm. It was a totally different perspective. And you, you could see how, you know, he sort of fell from grace and then, you know, was able to pick the pieces back up again. But I can't, I can't even, it was, it was, they showed how crazy the fans were and how they would just mob him everywhere he went and, the effect that that combined with his dad combined with the fact that he was multiracial. I mean, it was, it's really good. You've got to watch it. I yeah. was, was he your hero growing up? Mike? Yeah. He, well, he was. Cause I remember like one of my earliest memories of watching golf with my dad is when Tiger won the 97 masters, I think. And oh, I'm yeah. seven and it, we're six hours behind back home. And I'm staying there with my dad till like one, two in the morning when he makes the putt to win, we're jumping around, screaming our heads off and my wig, my mum up kind of thing. So, oh, that's so I, and I had it, we were talking about VHS when we, when we recorded, yeah. I, that was one of my early VHS tapes as I had the 97 masters on VHS. Oh, that's cool. So yeah, it's probably so, in the box somewhere. You graduate high school, but there's a couple mm-hmm. years there before you went to right. or came here. Yeah. What did you kind of do during that time? So I graduated high school in '09 and had planned to, I'd signed to go to a university in Florida called Nova Southeastern in Florida, uh, Fort Lauderdale. So I was signed, ready to go, had a scholarship to go there. And a month before we, I was supposed to leave, my dad lost his job. Mm-hmm. So all the money that was saved for me to go um, was like, okay, well, you know, got to feed the family first. So I went to work at the local golf club that I was at, worked behind the bar and I worked there for two years and I didn't start till 11 a.m. every day and I didn't later, you know, went till maybe 7 p.m. I lived the dream, you know, when you're like you're 19, 20 yeah. years old, like or 18, 19, 20 years old, working behind a bar at the golf club as well. It's not easy. There's no raging parties at a golf country club kind of thing. So I played golf every day uh, and got much better at it. And then finally figured this is not what I want to do for the rest of my life, become a bar manager. Uh, I reapplied to school and that's how I ended up coming out here. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay. So you land in Oklahoma city mm-hmm. and we've already kind of talked about this because I Catherine kind of already <laughs> interviewed, but <laughs> sorry, I, that's all right. I know. Uh, but so you land here with your dad yeah. and what is going through your mind? Uh, so, First, I mean, traveling from here, from the UK to here. So I leave my house at like 3 a.m., get on a bus, drive three hours to the airport. And, you know, then you take an 11-hour flight to Oklahoma. Well, the longest flight I'd ever done before that was four hours. Um, So I'm like, I fall asleep. It's early in the morning. And I'm like, great. And I wake up thinking I've slept for like five, six hours. And I've slept for three. Oh, no. And, you know, when you look at the map when you're on the plane and you're like, oh, great. I have like, you know, a few more 
four more hours to Chicago and then I have another flight. Um, but when we finally landed in Oklahoma, it was about five o'clock in the afternoon, uh, August the 11th. Um, and it was that summer, it was over 100 degrees. I was going to say, so it was 111 oh, yeah. degrees. And I like landed on, I mean, jeans was and a heat hoodie. Dome summer, that was, yeah, it was so, miserable. Yeah, when it was like 100 degrees for 60 yeah. days or something. Yeah, it was terrible. So I land, jeans and a hoodie, and I remember coming in to landing, and I'm like, I don't see a mountain anywhere. You oh, know, yeah, I've come flat. from the mountains, and I'm like, <laughs> I just see grids. And, and it's you flat. don't see anything green, that's for Exactly, sure. yeah, especially no. in August. So, um, you know, I just landed and we get set up and Oklahoma City Airport's obviously not very big compared to like Chicago or any other hubs so it was easy to get through we got a rental car and I remember pulling up to the first stoplight and just like in this tiny little like terrible little rental car that we had and just looking to my left and the guy was parked next to us at the stoplight in this like huge lifted truck and I'm like eye level with his tires I'm like this is ridiculous, right? I'm like, they, they feel tiny. And that drive then from, you know, from the airport straight up Meridian to SNU in Bethany, it's just, you know, it's a terrible, it's not the most glamorous part of town, is it? It's miserable. So I'm like, whoa. And you turn onto 39th Street and it's just car lot after car lot. And I'm like, well, this is fun, you know? Like, yeah, you're like, where's the building <laughs> yeah. here? Yeah, oh, take terrible. me home. So finally get to like this room, that we were, you know, this like house we were staying in before we moved into the dorms. And yeah, I just remember like being, this is like, and I, again, I was older, right? I had two years out of high school. I was about to turn 21 in September. So I was kind of like a grown up or let, you know, more than an 18 year old. So yeah. I still like, but I still hadn't been away from home that long, you know, ever before. So it was still a huge shock. But yeah, I remember walking out getting up the next day, walking out the front door and just being hit by like, I just open, opened the oven door, you know, the heat, <laughs> like, this yeah. is terrible. <laughs> I can't last in this. And thankfully it didn't last very long with the heat, but that was like my first like few days. Yeah. So then you get on what campus you- mm-hmm. and what are kind of your thoughts? What are your observations about the people? Like kind of what are after the initial shock yeah, of like, yeah. Oh wow. I'm in this really flat place. Mm-hmm. Well, SNU's campus, I mean, I'd never been to a big university campus, mm. right? So SNU's campus now, I mean, now I know it's not very big. It's quite small. Uh, it's, a, it's a cool little campus, but it, it is small. And the people, first thing I realized was people talk really slow here, oh, yeah. like a lot slower yeah. than people back home. And I remember having a conversation with my coach, just like, come on like spit it out (laughs) you're like i can see it i see the wheels turning just go (laughs) um so yeah i mean people were great the first experience of like outside of the school that that week we went to dinner and i mean it's in the news recently Anne's chicken fries closing right Mm -hmm. so my coach where you went yeah my coach loved that spot my coach was like i'm taking you to lunch come on we got this great place so we go to lunch and meet another one of the donors and stuff and hang out and i walk into this place and obviously there's memorabilia everywhere and we end up signing our name on the wall like everybody does if you're from out of town and and we went there for lunch and and then a couple of days later we were figuring out which we go for dinner and my dad like loves like Route 66 stuff. And he's like, let's go back to Anne's. I'm like, oh, sure, whatever. <laughs> so we go back and we're sat in the booth and trying to order. And white gravy was another thing that threw us off because gravy back home is brown. And so my dad's like, oh, I'll try biscuits and gravy. And it comes out and it's white. And he's like, what's going on? But yeah. this lady we we're, were ordering and, and this lady sat across the booth from us, recognized that we had accents. We we're from out of town. And she's like, kind of, you know, just just started talking to us. He was like, where are you guys from? You know, why are you here? And my dad's like, yeah, he's, you know, I'm leaving Monday. My son's here. He's going to, going to university. And she just writes her number down. It's like, if you ever need anything, just let, you know, just call me. Like, 
we live out at Rose Creek on the golf course. You're on the golf team. You probably practice out there if you ever need anything. Like, and she's like this sixty year old lady, like just so a sweet nice. old lady. I'm like, at first, I'm like, that's kind of weird. Like, that doesn't happen back home at all. Now I live here, and I mean, like, I do that to people, right? Like, like that's normal. You just be nice, and that's just how everyone is here. But at first, I'm like, well, that was kind of odd. You're like, this lady just gave me her phone yeah. number. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm 20 years old. I've been in Oklahoma for a week, and I've already got numbers. I'm like, some lady. Um, you have numbers. Yeah, exactly. Getting digits or whatever. But yeah, that was, that was like the first kind of culture difference. Yeah. And the religion thing, too. Like, I didn't know... I mean, I researched SNU, but I didn't know what a Nazarene was. I didn't know, like, we didn't grow up in a religious home back home. Like, my nan went to chapel to just hang out with her friends, not to be superly overly religious. So that was a huge culture shock at first as well, having to sign a covenant that says you aren't going to go drink and you aren't going to go out and party. And I'm like, Which you're like, I've been drinking for yeah, how many years? And was, exactly. Well, drinking for you, though, was probably not as big of a deal. Right. Or, or I mean, it's at twenty, it cultu- wasn't, yeah. yeah, culturally, yeah. it right. just and kind of been working in a bar for two years. Exactly, and I was about to turn twenty-one. Sign all that? Before no, here? no, coach didn't tell us that. Uh, uh-huh. I was, uh, you know, he wasn't going to share that. I wasn't going. I mean, I understand why. I wouldn't tell any kid coming from over the seas, you know, that too. But yeah, I found that out, um, and also at the same time, found out that I was actually ineligible my freshman year. What? Yeah. Oh, no. So I flew halfway Why? around the world. Um, something to do with me being out of school for two years, and they thought that I'd played for a team that was um, it was just a bunch of stuff. Like, that no, was I was true. the bar back there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like, just a bunch of stuff. Um, so I sat my first year as well, which was, I mean, I like my first semester was miserable. Like, Aww. I couldn't wait to get back home. Yeah. So, yeah. So what kept you? Okay. Uh, so... So I turned 21 like in September of that for that fall semester and my assistant coach came up to me and he was from South Africa and we had guys on the team, all internationals. And he just puts his arm around me and he's like, we're going to go out tonight, but don't tell anybody because I'll kill you. I was like, oh, great. Thanks. <laughs> uh, so we went out for my birthday, went to like a bunch of different places. And I think we went to, went to Edna's. We started yes. Edna's. Right? Oh, so I had like God. my first lunchbox on my 21st birthday. Uh, and then we go to a bunch of other places and, and, you know, wake up the next day with a very sore head. And after that, I kind of realized that, oh, this culture isn't, totally different like i have i can have like the same kind of feel to friends back home you know go out for beers hang out um but then when i went home that some that christmas i realized that nothing had changed like none of my friends had changed they're all still doing the same thing everyone's still in the same bar on a saturday friday saturday night um you know like i realized that like i wasn't missing anything so i realized that it was kind of like that was the first uh basically think that I knew that I had an opportunity in the States. Um, at that point, I still was like, I'm never staying. I'm obviously going to do my four years. I'm going to come home. Um, but that slowly kind of just chipped away at me. And I obviously realized how good it is here and ended up staying. I love it. So, Mike, when you decided to go, whatever, 6,000 miles away from home, was it because you loved playing golf or was it because you wanted to see the world and, and you knew there was something out there beyond home? Uh, yeah, well, it was because of golf. Um, I had friends back home who, who had originally done it and gone to the States who had like, when I was growing up, I wanted to be, I had the dream of being a professional golfer and, and 
but university golf back home is during the winter months and it rains all the time and it's just not fun. And university back home is three years as well. So the teams in universities, they're nowhere near as what they are here. You don't get a scholarship really that much to play university golf back home. So I'd had friends who, who had come out here and then gone through the experience and, you know, my two years where I was working behind the bar at the golf club, like they were out here. So I was learning from them, hearing from them how it was. And when they came back for the summer, seeing how much they progressed playing golf every day. So I knew that the opportunity was definitely in the States. Um, and I, I traveled a little bit before with golf as well. Luckily gone around and made some, made my national team and that helped me travel through that. But it was definitely for golf. I didn't care where I was going. It wasn't like I'm going to choose Oklahoma. It was like, you know, just wherever I can get a scholarship, I'm going to play and, and just get me into college golf and I'll see where I go from there. Does it make you kind of like laugh a little thinking about the difference of Oklahoma versus like what Florida would have been or mm -hmm. any other state, you know? Yeah, I always look back. I'm like, well, you know, where would I be if I'd have gone to Florida, um, you know, graduate two years earlier? and played golf there and figured out, you know, I, I've no, I probably, you know, I definitely wouldn't be here. I definitely wouldn't have a podcast about Oklahoma either. No, totally. <laughs> right? that, I mean, it's incredible. And also like, I always do wonder kind of people who don't live in the U.S., like what their perspective of different states are, or mm. if it's just kind of like, like, do you guys grow up learning about different states? No. no. Okay. I had no idea where Oklahoma was. And the okay. first time I wrote out Oklahoma, I wrote O-A-K. Like, as in oak, as in oak, wood, yeah. right? And I'm like, oak, I got right. ruined for it by all my friends as well. Like, you can't spell. You need to learn how to spell. Um, I didn't, I get, yeah, I didn't know where, the first time I figured out where Oklahoma was was like three days before I flew out. I was like, oh, we're going right into the middle of the country. Cool. Like, I just, just like I'm going, I knew, I knew I was playing golf. I knew it was almost paid for. And like, I'm, you know, this is, I don't want to be back home. And if it sucks, I can always go home. Yeah, no, that's true. If that's kind of what I mean. I think Catherine and I sort of motto life mm -hmm. too is like you can always come back. Yeah. And you can always come back. Yeah, you can always come. Like Oklahoma City will always be here. And mm -hmm. for you, it was Wales. But so let's fast forward a little bit. So you graduate from college. Mm -hmm. You are not playing golf anymore. Are you? So you work, you work for the country club. Yeah, so I graduated from from college in two thousand May two thousand fifteen, and I when you're an international student, you get like a one year work visa after you graduate. So I applied for that and I got accepted in that. And that job that you work for just has to be within your degree field. Oh, and I have a marketing right. degree, so I didn't. And for that one year, I didn't want to like work forty fifty hours a week and not be able to go do my thing and not play golf at all. So I picked real estate. Um, through a friend, through a professor who introduced me to a friend who got me into that. Um, so I kind of did real estate. I looked, I learned my, you know, did my test and stuff like that. Um, but when I graduated, I worked part time with the golf club as well. Oh, okay, I didn't so, realize like, it was I part time. That. And you know, gotcha. like when you start out as a real estate agent, you're not going to go sell, you right? Know, you know, not for the most part, you know, very successful straight away. So I worked part-time at the golf club. I lived at a friend's house. I didn't have many bills. I just kind of like just lived. I took it as like a gap year. So it was a lot of fun. It Made does a lot of sound cool like, yeah, yeah, I was going to say, it sounds like a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. So then kind of that year comes to an end. Your visa is coming yeah. up. Mm -hmm. I don't really know what the terminology with that is. Yeah, but that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what kind of happens next? So so when I was my my senior year, I like I get this work visa and my professor says to me, Hey, you know, I think you'd be good at real estate. Let me introduce you to somebody. So he introduces me to a guy named Chad. So I go have coffee with Chad and we're chatting about my one year work visa. And he's like, look, I think 
there it was Keller Williams Elite at the time who he worked for, and he's like, I'm sure they're gonna have you on. What happens after a year? Like, you know, where do you go after that? They don't want to train you because Cal Williams puts a lot of money in their training. You know, they don't want to waste that money on you if you're just going to go home or back to school or whatever. Um, he's like, well, how does that work? So there's, you know, I either go home, I either go back, become a grad assistant, or I get married. And I was totally joking, you know, like Welsh people and people from the UK are very sarcastic. So he's like, oh, my, my sister-in-law's single if you're serious about getting married. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> hold on a second <laughs> what um it's like and i was single at the time i was like uh sure like what's the worst can happen so yeah he's like do you want to go on a double date yeah why not so it was in like two weeks so i like you know had a look found out what her full name was had a look at her on facebook and all the other stuff and i was like okay like this is if i think your profile picture at the time was uh, a picture of her with her friends and they were out on a night out she went to OU so I'm like oh at least she's like okay with going and having a drink and like I didn't want to you know date someone who I mean if I date someone from SNU who like was strict and good yeah. and, like it just wasn't going to work so we went on a double date we went bowling downtown and I'm terrible at bowling I'm so bad so I was like being my kind of good thing you do not want to be good at bowling oh I'm no, so bad at it. Better yeah. Yeah. Um, I was just being like you know funny or whatever and sarcastic and it went pretty well um so we went on like a couple of dates after that and went on like our own date after that which is i borrowed a friend's car uh, who was on my golf team i didn't have a car at the time um i pulled up in and he had like a bmw as as like a freshman in college because his dad owned like a a car dealership or whatever so i pull up to pick her up on her second date in a fancy car and she's like oh you you, looks like you have money i didn't have much at all (laughs) i'm a college student uh i borrowed a car from my friend um you're like yep i do yeah so Uh so you get through like that we started dating that in that first year um and after I graduated, my, so my parents came into town for my graduation. So she got to meet my parents. And my dad said to me at my graduation party, my dad's like 5'10". And my wife, uh, my wife, a girlfriend at the time, she uh, is like 5'10", but she was wearing heels. So she walks in, you know, tall, dark hair, long legs. My dad's like, you need to marry that woman <laughs> now. I was like, oh, thanks, dad. Like, appreciate it. Um so that summer, I actually went home for six weeks to play golf. So I went back to Wales, played golf for the Welsh national team, traveled a little bit. Um, and then when I came back, we stayed in touch. But when I came back, I realized like we'd just kind of, you know, got back together as if like nothing had happened. Right. So that was really cool. I kind of knew that it was, you know, something's going on here. This is good because if we've been apart for six weeks, like, you don't know what can happen. It's early on, whatever. Um, and then it comes around to like, January time and I knew that like okay like my visa's ending I think I just got to get engaged um called up her parents hey like can we get dinner tonight while Taryn's at work so they obviously knew that I was going to ask so I so asked the, so the joke is reality yeah like you're yeah. oh yeah yeah it's like if you've seen the what is it the, the movie the proposal that's basically yeah. Oklahoma vision um so yeah I asked her parents you know I'd love to become part yeah, of the family yeah but you're Sandra Bullock Yes. And she's right. Yes, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> no dancing around the fire though. Um, but yeah, so she, I asked her parents and was super nervous and they said yes. Uh, so then I, you know, planning on asking her and planning the whole proposal deal. Uh, and a friend of mine who I, who's a attorney was like, you should probably like find an immigration attorney and just make sure that you're doing everything right. Um, I have one. We graduated university together. Here's her content information. So I reached out to Kelly, who's in Oklahoma City, who specializes in immigration, uh, immigration attorney. And for some reason, like Taryn was with me when we went to go meet Kelly. 
I don't know why, but she was with me. So we walk in to meet Kelly, sat there, and, and I said to Kelly, look, just want some information. I don't really know how this works. I've been told I just have to get engaged. Um, what do you think? And obviously me and Taryn had spoke about it, but it, it wasn't, yeah. you know, it was super, like, light. And Kelly looks at us, and she's like, well, your visa ends, um, uh, well, I think it was June 1st. Um, well, visa ends at the end of May. It takes 90 days to file all the documents. You've got to get married and everything sent off by March the 1st. This was the first week in February. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, shit. okay, great. Uh, and like Taryn's with me and I've got to go back to my in-laws and be like, hey, like, can we get married like next week? Which was a lot harder, obviously, than asking them, can we get married any time? Um, so, and I hadn't proposed at this point. Taryn was fine with it, I think. Uh, my yeah, mom what and dad was, were okay what was with her it. reaction when this woman is like, you guys have to get married in a month? Yeah, she's like, um, when we were on the way home, we FaceTimed my parents straight away and told them the deal. And my mom was like, look, like, we'll support you if this is what you want to do. And, and, you know, like, yeah, as long as Taryn's parents are okay with it and Taryn too. So Taryn was like, I found out later that Taryn, after our first, like, set our second day, our first day on our own, she told her mom, she's like, I'm going to marry this guy. I didn't know that, Aww. which is really cool. So thankfully, luckily, like she was all for it. Um, so then we literally started the whole process of like filling out. Kelly gave us all these things to fill out and these documents and essentially put our relationship in a binder and just sent it off to the government. But we obviously, we also got married. So like legally married. So yeah. So you're trying to make this romantic. Yeah. It's like yeah, legal documents. Yeah. So the... And they, for some reason, they wanted to. a little ceremony? Yeah, we kind of. So I wanted to because Taryn's older brother was in the military in Alaska. My family were back home. Because they weren't involved, I didn't want anyone to be involved. I said, let's just go to the courthouse, get it done legally, and then we'll have a ceremony. Yeah. And everyone can come out. And my mum said, no, if Taryn's, if they want to do something, let them do it. So we had something tiny, small, intimate at her parents' house, um, which was on the. 16th of february and i i hate like cliche valentine's proposals like cringe just it's the worst time i you know that and christmas i never understood people who got engaged on christmas um, honestly that was my worst nightmare yeah like my or husband, new year's eve yeah like, you know yes. like a big occasion like that mine yeah. was it getting engaged in a restaurant that would have been my worst nightmare. Catherine, do you know where i got engaged in a restaurant yes <laughs> Oh God! Oh God, Emmy. <laughs> Which restaurant? Oh uh, well, it was where we had our first date in okay, Fort Worth, cool. and yeah. I, it's actually closed. Yeah. But yeah, he proposed in front of a restaurant. Right. So, oh, in front of the restaurant, not in the restaurant. Those are two different things. Well, we, because we had gone out on the patio for like like dessert, but yeah. like it was very clear what was happening okay. to everybody except for me. You were oblivious to uh, it. just like. N- not That's even better yeah <laughs> but still like yeah so i feel like proposals unfortunately we don't get to choose them. oh yeah <laughs> no you're right you're right um, so it's valentine's day like yeah well so so well so that week's leading up and like i call a friend and i like get a ring um and i like stole one of my taryn's rings at the time to make sure i got the right size and all this stuff so the saturday before we got married on the tuesday the saturday before was a a friend of mine's kids first first birthday party so we'd been invited to that they were like my host family um really super nice people they, i mean they are my american family now and so we we're planning on going to that at like noon on saturday so 
I, our first of date on our own, I was taking a photography class. So we took pictures downtown. A guy was taking pictures downtown. So I said to Taryn, I said, hey, let's Saturday. We haven't taken pictures forever. Like, let's just go downtown, you know, take some pictures or whatever. And relive our first date. Kind of the same thing that you did. So, And was she oblivious as well? Oh, yeah, totally. Why so does borrowed, this happen to us? It's no so idea. obvious. Even she knew she was getting married on Tuesday? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oblivious? I still hadn't proposed, you know? So, okay. Um, so, yeah, we go down there. I borrow a camera from, from Chad's brother, uh, Josh, who's kind of in the movie business in town. Borrow a camera from him, go down, and we're walking around, like, automobile alley area, like, down the train tracks, you know, and I've got this ring in my pocket, burning a hole in my pocket. And we come on to, I think it's like 6th Street. And there's like, a, I don't know if it's still there. There's a little pink building with a red door. So before that, we come onto 6th Street and there's nobody in the street. I'm like, do it right now. Like she's walking ahead of me, call her and you'll be down on one knee and it'll all be romantic and you'll be crying, whatever. And I just froze. So we, I said, find this red door, pink building, little red door, stand up against it and I'll take a picture. And she, to this point, is getting agitated because we're late, almost late to the party. He's like, no, I want to take your photo. Like, this okay, this cool. happens at every propo- like good yeah. proposal. Is like the girl is getting upset with the guy. Like at mine, yeah. Jeff was trying to get me to go on the patio. It was like late July in Fort Worth. It yeah. was like 105 degrees. I'm like, I'm not going to sit on a patio outside right now. Are you kidding? I was yeah. like, I'm going to sweat my butt off. And he's like, please just go on the patio. And then the the waitress goes man, we brought a fan out there just for you. And I'm like, all right, all well, right. I'm not that big of a diva. Like, yeah. I'll go on the patio, I guess. But I'm sure this is the same where she's just like, come on, right. like, I'm not doing it yeah. right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so, so like, we, you know, she, she's like, I want to take a picture of you. So she's holding the camera. I'm standing at the door. And then I say, okay, my turn. I take the camera from her. And as I swing around, I drop to one knee. And she turns around. She just tears i start crying she starts crying um i could barely get the words out to say like will you marry me um so all great hugging super excited walk back to the car which is parked at smb uh yeah is it smb or the the garage or whatever this yeah yeah smb yeah yeah yeah, smb so you know coat off check it in the car put the camera on top of the car and drove off so I drove off with the camera on top and you of the borrow, car. you borrowed the camera? Yeah, not my camera. Again, no. I was like, I still hadn't graduated. I was, no, I had graduated, but I was still not making a lot of money. I think I'd had like two closings at that point. And working at the country club, you don't make, I mean, you make hourly wage or whatever. So it wasn't like I'd made a lot of money. Um, so I drove and the, yeah, I drove off cameras on the roof. And I do remember like there were kids doing senior photos there in the, in the alleyway right next to, you know, that flaming mm-hmm. lips place or whatever. Yeah. the world. And I remember just looking at me like, just watching as I drove away with the camera and, you're like, and they just didn't say anything or shout at me. So I drove off and the camera, I got all the way to like the highway oh, and the no. camera came off doing 50, 60 mile an hour down the highway. No. Yeah. So you pulled don't over, have the picture. Pulled over, picked up the camera, camera's in bits, lens was in bits, uh, couldn't find the SD card, nothing. Oh, so, well, and I'm sure she's like, I just got engaged yeah. and now my fiance is yeah. on the highway trying to get at this camera yeah so then we had to go straight back i on the way to the birthday party i took the camera to josh's house and just knocked on the door and stood there with his camera in pieces <laughs> like i'm so sorry he's no. like don't worry about it like it's okay it's fine like just you know he's uh, like how was it i'm like well it was great but like i now owe you a thousand dollars for a camera oh gosh <laughs> oh so yeah and then we finally we got married on like i said on the, the tuesday then a few days later um which was just it was and it was really cool. Obviously, small setting and just at her parents' house and yeah, we didn't. She just threw on a fan, you know, dress wasn't a white dress. She just threw on a dress and we had a super 
intimate kind of thing. And then we did a full wedding a year later with my family, her family in town. And that was, that was so she could have her day and yeah, you know, I could have a night out with the boys or whatever. But yeah, it was good. A lot of fun. Sounds, I mean, so now you're a, you're a full Oklahoman now. So now I mean, I'm are a, you yeah, full Oklahoman? I get. I guess at that card. moment you knew you were you weren't leaving. Yeah, yeah. I kind of realized. I think after my, like my junior year, I was like, okay, I think I'll I'll try and stay. I'll try and get a job or I'll play golf or whatever. And then when my senior year, I realized like, okay, you're probably not going to become a professional golfer. You don't want to go home. You should probably try and stay in the states. And I never thought that I'd find my wife. Right? That was kind of like sarcasm and joke. And then I timing works and i meet my wife and it'll be five years in february this year this february so it's crazy how time flies it is crazy yeah. well so you get married mm-hmm. you're in real estate and you decide to start the podcast to kind of market your real estate business yeah um so in real estate i'm still working and playing golf and kind of still living like the the kind of gap year lifestyle really I hadn't really taken real estate seriously but I was doing okay because all of my friends had graduated and were buying houses and I was kind of talking them out of I was like are you going to live in Oklahoma for the rest of your life and like yes well why rent like, yeah buy a house. exactly so I kind of did okay the first couple of years um and then my third year was like they just like no one buys houses back to like all the time, do they? So I kind of had to learn. I did run out of friends. Yeah. And I had to learn how to like sell, right. I had to learn how to, you know, build relationships and cold calling. I tried, sucked it, hated it, you know, knocking on doors, hated it. I mean, if someone answers the door to me now, I don't like it, but if someone answers the door to me with an accent, it's even worse, right? Like, you know, people, it just answering no, it's the even phone. Better if they have an accent. Well, that's Come what on. I thought, and no one, no one likes you when you when they can't understand you on the phone. They think literally think you're calling from out of country. So I had a lot of clips. Oh, and I see stuff. what you're saying. You know, oh, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, that's a good point. Yeah, and I'm not like I wasn't trained because I didn't enjoy it. I didn't pay attention to learning how to become a salesman. So I just thought, okay, like I've grown up playing golf. I've learned how to have a conversation with people who are older than me my entire life. Um, see what we can do with that yeah um and i was always on my phone for the most part anyway and i'd watched you know like a couple of gary v videos and it was talking about building a community or listening to his podcast and it said if you can build a community around a common goal or common something you know you add value to that community and, and maybe then one one of them will buy a house from you or so you can sell them something so that's initially where the instagram started and just started sharing photos. I had a passion for photography and was resharing po- photos of the state. I found a page called Only in Oklahoma that was doing the same thing. Um, they had like 15,000 followers at the time. Like, okay, that's cool. They only post once a day. I can definitely do more than that. And I researched them, and they're a giant media company that has an Only in every single state. Oh, okay. So they have like an Instagram, Facebook page or whatever for Oklahoma, Louisiana, like all these other states. So... I just focused on mine super local and just went to town on it. And the Instagram grew really fast. Uh, within a year, it was like over 10,000. And wow. figured that, okay, like I've got a platform here. How do I monetize this platform? Ideally with real estate. Um, started a podcast with the help of some friends. And he, my buddy said, hey, go out and record five episodes and then we'll put them out. And I recorded five within like two or three weeks. I just knocked it out. I was super excited about it. And the, the idea was to put a real estate ad at the start of it. Um, and I remember like my second episode was with, it was with Todd Vincent from Yote Coffee. And, and we, we sat for kind of what we did, what I do now with every guest. We sit, we hang out for an hour or whatever. We record and then we chill and hang out after. Yeah. And like his story was just so cool. And I had such a great time sitting with him. It wasn't about 
me selling real estate to the people who were listening to it. It was about his story and sharing the story to, to whoever to add value. Um, so I didn't record an ad or put it on there. And I still think I was only three years into or three and a four years into my real estate career. I didn't still have that confidence in me, like to go and really sell. Like if someone came to me with a million dollar house at that time, I probably would have been like, Oh, I have to refer this to someone else. Like I'm not going to do it. Um, so, I mean, now it's a lot different, thankfully, because I have you know, a lot more confidence, but at the time I didn't have it. So I didn't put the ads on it. Um, and it never, I never had, have had real estate ads on it. Thankfully, I've had other ads on it. People have come to me, but it's my real estate business naturally just took off because people wanted to talk to me about who I was having on the podcast, what I was doing. And it just kind of became a thing. Like I didn't expect it to. Yeah. Um, you know, like as a Welsh guy hosting a podcast about Oklahoma, it's kind of super, you know, it's a bit weird, isn't it? So yeah, it just became a thing. And then I kind of doubled down on it and just started last year. I recorded 150 episodes, about three a week, um, and just went to town on it. I was like, okay, we'll see what we can do with this. I had my first full sponsor last year. Uh, the Oklahoma Hall of Fame have been great. They've continued to sponsor me for this year. Um, they're just a great partnership. They're awesome people. They, you know, the the building down there is amazing, and I don't understand why nobody goes down there. Like it's such a cool bit of Oklahoma history, and the people who are in it, you know, aren't from the state. All of them are. They're from the state. Russell Westbrook's in it. Obviously, he wasn't born and raised here. There's people in it that that have just impacted the state, and I mean, it'd be amazing to be on that list one day. So they've been a great sponsor. And just can continue it this year, and and real estate has been great. Real estate's still my main income, and and probably will be, you know, unless I get to Joe Rogan levels of of, of you know <laughs> following whatever. But I don't know it's just it's a lot of fun. I don't. It's my only marketing is by, and it's not really marketing. The only thing I do is I podcast with people and I hang yeah. out. That's my like network building, I guess. It is wild that this is like a job now. Because yeah. it's so fun. It's nuts. I, I was walking last night with my wife. For, we go for a walk like every evening. And I said to her, I was like, isn't it crazy that I'm like waiting on invoices to come in from a podcast? Like, did you ever think I'd make money from this? She's like, no, I thought you were wasting your time. You know, <laughs> she's like, I thought you were just crazy. And I'm like that typical guy who has a million ideas and like one of them may work, right? But I'm always trying something. And this is the one that kind of stuck. Yeah, so. we we understand that. I feel yeah. like we're similar yeah. in that way for sure. What have you What have you learned about Oklahoma that you didn't know before when you started when you started the podcast? Mm-hmm. When I started, you I did the same thing as, as you guys. You know now. What yeah. have you learned about Oklahoma and about Oklahomans that yeah. surprised you? When When I started, I I kind of like my goal was like, okay, have huge guests on like, and I realized that, yeah, people know them, but it's not the value. The value is in the real stories, right? Mm-hmm. Like everyone, like my first guest was Desmond Mason. Obviously he played for the Thunder and now is an artist and everyone kind of knows what he does and knows his story because he's been interviewed a bunch of times. But the, you know, the real stories were really cool and really impactful and just finding that like, there's so many cool people here that nobody knows about. Um, and I'd learned a lot from, from people like that, you know, just early on of like, and and also the, the I interviewed a guy who who had like a sign business. So he came and he repaired, you know, signs. Seven Eleven signs are blue down. He was the one who came and repaired them. Um, and I did the podcast with him late one afternoon. It was in the summer. I didn't want to do it. I almost called him and said, "Hang on, something's come up." But I went down and did it. And we sat there doing the podcast and and. And um, like there's horse stuff in his office everywhere. Like his desk was like a hundred years old, made of wood and all these horse pictures and paintings all over. So we start talking about science for like 10 minutes and clearly there's nothing else to talk about because 
they're signed, right? There's not much to talk about. Okay, there's a few tornadoes come in, the signs get blown down, you put them up, cool. <laughs> I'm like, what are you passionate about? And he's like, well, I grew up on a ranch and all this horse stuff, and I'm like, I, now I do horse therapy. I'm like, what is horse therapy? I'd never heard about it. And he's like, well, like kids who are in, kids who are in, you know, hospital, you could, people take dogs in, dog therapy, hang out with them, make the kids really happy. You can't really take a horse into a hospital. So I have a facility and the kids come to me. So autism, kids with autism and, and learning disabilities and stuff like that. Um, you know, they come to my facility because it's not covered by insurance. I don't charge them a lot, but I charge them enough to keep my doors open. And we put them on the back of a horse and train them and basically just get them to open up. And he starts to tear up a little bit. And I'm like, you know, and this is still early on. I had an interview. I don't have a degree in interviewing people. I was like, kind of like, oh, okay, like, are you okay? You know, I, like, I edited it out in the end. But he goes on to tell me the story about this, like, young girl who had been sat for, like, she was under 24-hour care, you know, three nurses looking after her. She sat, and she wouldn't, like, she sat with her, her palms together, her hands clasped. She wouldn't, like, you know, she just, like, sat kind of, huddled up a little bit she would never open up to anybody never like shaking his hand or high five anyone um and the nurses worked on her for a long time just trying to get it to open up and he walks up with a horse and she just opens up her arms to try and like hug the horse and the nurses just start like crying their eyes out you know like and he's like like after he said the nurse like what what you know what was that all about like why is this such a big deal to you like she does not open up for anyone. And you walked up with a horse and within five seconds, she's like, give me a hug and starts talking. And like, she becomes a new person. Right. Aww. So like he trains like kids like that, which what? is amazing. And like, no one knows he doesn't have a website. Like his name is Carl Martin. Um, I think his business is, I think it still is. OKC sign service. Doesn't tell anyone about his horse stuff unless you know, unless there is a need for it and you'll get referred to by other kids in the hospital unit. Oh, this, this guy does horse stuff. Do you remember what number episode this was for you? Um, Yeah, it was early on. It was like under 50 episodes in. Just if somebody wants to go listen to it. I'll find it and we can put it in the description. Uh, It was amazing. Um, Cool guy. You know, and I didn't want to do it, right? I didn't know anything about him apart from his sign stuff. So everyone here is really humble. It takes a lot, I think, to get people in Oklahoma to brag about themselves for the most part. Like the real ones anyway. Right. Um, Yeah. And that's what I've learned is like you've, Every person I have on the podcast, I ask them for a referral. Like, who do you know that has a cool story that's not going to tell me directly that they should be on my podcast, but you you know that they have a cool story. And that's how a lot of the episodes have happened. That's how that one happened. Yeah, I think that Catherine and I, when we first started this, thought it our podcast would be kind of more business focused, mm-hmm. kind of like that. Yeah. Like somebody who has this incredible business. Mm-hmm. or. But I think we're quickly realizing as well that it's not the businesses. It's the stories of the person yeah. who has done something. And I agree. I think it's like Oklahoma City, there are all these gems. And it's just we want to uncover all of mm-hmm. them like you have for sure. So 10 years from now, mm-hmm. where do you see yourself? Where do you see Oklahoma City? Kind of what's what's in the future? 10 years from now, so I'll be 40 because uh, I just I turned 30 last, last September. So I'll be 40 years old. I, and hopefully it happens sooner or later, I want to, I mean, I'd love to have a studio space, but my value in the podcast is going to people, right? So I would love to have a mobile studio, ideally a van that people can just hop in the back of and we have a, you know, camera set up and everything ready to go. So that would be the dream to keep doing that. Um, I could see you with like a really cool, like, yeah, like a sprinter. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly, I mean, I got it drawn. Oops. I got it all written out and drawn out. Like it's, it, I mean, 
all I need is the sponsors to to put some money to put forward to be on the side hey, of it. You it know? has been spoken, so I believe it all. Thank you. Uh, so yeah, having a, a sprinter van would be amazing. Driving around the state um, and still playing golf. Like I, I I don't play enough golf as I used to. You know, when you're in college, you play every day, and I, I miss it as my entire life. Every every opportunity I've had and every opportunity I've been lucky enough to you know be a part of is because of golf every traveling place i've been to is because of golf i wouldn't be in the states without it um so sticking to that playing a lot more golf competitively and traveling through that would be great uh yeah so just doing that i'm still gonna have my real estate license still you know passion to help people there's nothing better than helping friends buy something as significant as a house yeah, even I if agree. it's once a year it doesn't matter like you've helped one friend like move into a huge part of their life yeah um you know as people get older their houses are going to be nicer and more significant to them and then one day it'll be their forever home so that that's going to be really cool but yeah just playing golf podcasting and, and selling houses and hopefully i love cars so my kind of one of me being a guy one of my side you know like passions is cars so one day maybe driving a very nice car in 10 years and probably annoying people and trying not to get tickets from Oklahoma City PD or whatever. Are you going to are you going to be that person that parks in like three parking spaces? You get one car in three parking spaces no. like in the back of the lot. Is that no. you? No, those people no, those people irritate me. <laughs> okay. You buy a car to be driven, so and if someone dings it, you've got insurance. Uh, you know, <laughs> I know, yeah. There's a lot of garage queens out there, people who drive their car and park. They they'll walk an extra 100 yards not to have. Yeah. You know, but Right, right. I don't know. Well, I mean, we'll see. Since you talk to so many people around the state, what do you think about for the state in the next 10 years? Where do you think we're going? What do you think? Yeah, uh, I think so. I think travel in the state is becoming such a big thing now. Like people, especially with what's happened with COVID, people are like doing more staycations. And that's been a lot big opportunity for the state parks have been hugely renovated and being outside. And I know that uh, the wildlife department of Oklahoma has been embracing the fact that, okay, maybe you can't go to a hotel, but you can go drive two hours, go for a hike kind of thing. So they've been pushing that a lot, which is really cool. And I think hopefully through the help that me sharing photos of the state, people realize how beautiful this place is and that they don't have to go to Colorado or they don't have to go to New Mexico or Dallas or whatever to go do something. They can keep that money in the state. Um, Matt Payne of, you know, Prairie, uh, Prairie Surf Media said that the state, it's one of very few states that have, I think it's like 12 ecosystems or something in Oklahoma. Yeah, it's So it's a this lot. California and Alaska, I think, has the same. And, like, you know, we have, we can, you can go up to Black Mesa and, uh, and then go to the sand dunes and then you can go fishing. Like, there's mm-hmm. so many things to do in this state. So travel, I think, will be huge, hopefully, in the next 10 years. Um, I mean, you're a huge foodie. Obviously, the food's been great. Wow. You know, we could do that. A lot more food coming, hopefully. But... Um, yeah, I think, I think it's people, you know, when, when the thunder came here, everyone was like, this is no longer a flyover state, right? And mm-hmm. now, like, no one really plays on the thunder that everyone, anyone cares about, right? The big <laughs> five have left. Yeah. You know, for our generation who live in Oklahoma. But, um, I think, you know, I don't know, maybe we get a different team. Um, uh, you know, the football obviously brings a lot of people in. I highly doubt, I don't think we could support an NFL team because college football's so big here. But, you know, I think a lot of people know now more about the state. It's like it's still not a flyover state. There's so much stuff here, and Tulsa's growing and pushing on business and, and getting bigger businesses in, which is great. But I, I think hopefully people realize the main thing is travel. Like you can have it, you can drive for an hour, go and hang out, you know, somewhere that you've never been to before, smaller towns. 
you know, Anne's chicken fry closing recently, that's devastating, isn't it? So hopefully yeah. someone can come in and save that. Little businesses like that that are on Route, six, route 66 is huge. And I know, hope, hopefully we can bring more, you know, travel dollars to the state. It'd be great. And I mean, I, I tell my friends, you know, come out and hang out and visit. Like, we got a spare room at the house. You can always stay with me. You know, you don't have to pay for a hotel. This place is worth coming to. Um, so I would love to bring more of my friends out here so they, so they can show them that. Yeah. Well, well, that, that leads us to our last question. Yes. That's a perfect segue. So your friend comes to visit from Wales. Mm-hmm. Springs a visit on you. You go pick him up at the airport. What's your ideal day? What do you show your best friend from back home? Yeah, ideal day. I think um, I would probably go for breakfast somewhere. Where? Uh, you got to tell us where. Yeah, you, you have, to, have, you have so to drop some names. You either go... I have three, Cafe Cacao, Oh yes. Uh, Sunnyside, or Hatch. And you can obviously get three different things at each one, um, pancakes at Sunnyside, and even the pancakes at Hatch are so good. Really good. Yeah, the blueberry streusel, is it, at Hatch? I think so. Yeah. Although now I'm thinking the pancake at Cacao, the Nutella the cacao one. Cacao is yes. amazing. That yeah. is like kind of insane, too. So that would definitely be a first kind of spot for breakfast. Um, I mean, honestly, I think you just eat all day. Yeah. <laughs> That's my problem. That's what I do. I go You wouldn't play golf. We might. Um, but Where think- would you play golf? If you could play any course in Oklahoma... And then maybe any course in Oklahoma City, what would it be? I think if it's any course in Oklahoma, you've probably got to go to Southern Hills or play Jimmy Austin or Carston. So those three, depending on where you are and where you can get on. OSU's course, OU's course, and then Southern Hills is is the best course in the state. Um, and then, well, sorry, what was the other question? In Oklahoma City, what, what's your in favorite Oklahoma course? In Oklahoma City, um, I mean, Oklahoma City Golf Country Club has gone through a huge renovation. It's great. Uh in Edmond, Oak Tree National is really good. So those two would be like on a bigger scale for people who are traveling in. Like Oak Tree National has had a U.S. Open or senior U.S. Open, and Oklahoma City just has so much history. Mm-hmm. So it'll probably be those two. I mean, the public courses are great depending on which friend has come in. If they're not a golfer, we'd, we'll right. probably go to Top Golf. But um, <laughs> my you know, kids love Top Golf. <laughs> yeah, it's great. It's best concept ever. I think it's so good for people who just want to go hit balls and eat food and, and covid friendly covid very covid friendly oh that's yeah. true we've been since covid yeah you're yeah. right yeah and okay so then what's the nightlife what's the nightlife look like what yeah are you where are you going to dinner where are you going uh, for drinks i mean you can't beat the jones like you can go to jones for dinner i, know. And drinks, I, mean, right? I think 75 percent of the people on I've this podcast that. have said the jones yeah. and okay, it's not in a not else. no no you don't have to pick somewhere else yeah. like i'm just saying we were i would say that too yeah. actually i did say that the last one i i kind of had a night out so boxing day back home is a huge deal mm. right so luckily right. boxing day fell on a saturday here so um me and a friend and a couple of buddies were like okay look, we're gonna have a drink somewhere let's just go out and hang out um so we went to hall's pizza Yum. ate on the patio you know under the heaters filled up on pizza and then went straight to the jones so that was just kind of our night and you know there's not much else you have great pizza and then great cocktails and drinks at the jones bartenders are super friendly and then what's that bread thing you get at jones as well after you've had a few drinks you want a snack on something. oh the ch- chips yeah spreads and dips yeah, or something, something like that yeah. so you get one of those oh it's just so good yeah um yeah that or i mean if 
I mean, I'm 30 now. I haven't had a night, a big night out in a long time. I, <laughs> like I was in college. Uh, if I was doing that, I mean, Edna's, you've got to go to Edna's. Why not? It's Get a, a cultural box. part of Oklahoma City, isn't it? And I know yeah. they've renovated it too. So they maybe have? Go there. Yeah, it's, they've built what? onto it now. If next time you drive past it, look at it. It's like twice the size they've it used to be. they built on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Andy, it, we may have to go. Yeah, just. I mean, I don't think I'm doing a lunchbox, but I'll definitely go and have yeah. a beer. You better believe yeah. I haven't been in there yet, but they've built go. onto it. So. I don't think I've ever done the lunchbox. My grandmother, however, at age like 92, did, did a lunchbox shot on Christmas Eve one year. Brilliant. Uh-huh. <laughs> so good. I hope so when I'm 92, yeah. I'm doing a lunchbox. I, I, when, I when we went too. to it, I had when my buddies came to town for the first time. We had like two nights in Oklahoma City before we flew out. And then we did like a, we flew to San Francisco and then drove down to LA for a little road trip. But for the nights we were in Oklahoma City, we went to Edna's and gave them a lunchbox for the first time. And then when we went home for Christmas, they, did they were like, hey, we're going to make lunchboxes at the house before we go out for Christmas. <laughs> They're making their own. So, you know, fruit, freezing the glasses and everything. It was. Did so they do funny. it right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just as an amaretto, orange juice, and Bud Light, I think is what it is. Is it Bud Light or Coors Light? Coors Light. Coors Light. Coors Light. Coors Light. Okay. Yeah. You can franchise it. Franchise sure. Edna's to Wales. Be oh, perfect. Yeah. Actually, that would be like be hilarious, an American yeah. Yeah. bar, and you Dollar choose Edna's. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, you would have to have American you Dollar have Bills. Dollar bills everywhere too, oh, yeah. I love it. Well, Mike, thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been so fun. And um, where can people find you? Uh, so people just find at This Is Oklahoma everywhere. Um, but if you want to follow me, it's at Mike Hearn underscore on Instagram. Okay, so. perfect. Well, thank you. Thanks Bye. so much. Thanks for loving Oklahoma as much as we do. It's a lot of fun. I'm not going anywhere. I love it. Good. Well, thanks. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us today. We truly appreciate your listening to these stories. You can find us on Instagram at ActionCityOKC or for business inquiries, email us at hello at ActionCityOKC.com. Action City is produced by Black and Studios. You can find the studio on Instagram and Facebook at Black and Studios. Creative services provided by Ranger Creative. Music written and performed by Kansas City Bankroll.